listening to Women's Health, Wisdom, and Wine, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info at To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larenawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, remember to follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and tap on the bell to make sure you never miss an episode. Let us know what is your favorite topic, who has been your favorite guest, and who would you like to hear from on the next pod. Most importantly, share the podcast and your favorite episode with a friend or colleague. Lastly, remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. Welcome back. Last week, we ended our discussion about learning about fertility with the getting your body ready aspect of fertility awareness. Whether you're sure about your family planning goals or not, remember, fertility is the characteristic of overall health and wellness. So let's be in. Testing and tracking your hormones over time is a great way to prep your body for children. At-home fertility hormone test using a simple finger prick unlock a ton of information about key hormones related to your reproductive health, one of the most important pieces of the fertility puzzle. You'll learn about your ovarian reserve, also known as your egg count, thyroid health, possible outcomes for egg freezing and IVF, and your chances of conditions like PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and thyroid disorders. Fertility doctors or reproductive endocrinologists test ovarian reserve just like at home fertility hormone tests to predict how many eggs you might obtain from egg retrieval and give you a better idea of how many rounds of IVF or IUI you can expect. Each time you test your fertility hormones, you'll be able to observe how your hormones change over time so you can make informed decisions, take action, and be proactive about your fertility planning. Annual testing will provide you with this information. Now it's time to schedule a preconception appointment. Yes. Before you start trying, make an appointment with your provider to discuss your plans and medical history, as well as run blood tests. This is also the time to bring up any current medications, as some are safe for pregnancy and others aren't. You and your doctor can make a plan for switching or stopping any not for safe for pregnancy medications. The preconception appointment should be separate from your annual visit, though it can be virtual. Since annual visits are only about 20 minutes, there usually isn't enough time to cover both. During this appointment, you'll discuss your plans for children, when it makes sense to continue birth control or discontinue birth control if you're on it, how your birth control might affect ovulation and for how long, your medical, surgical, and family health history, 
including medications, alcohol consumption and smoking and their effects, how your body fat percentage could affect conception, pre-pregnancy testing and vaccinations, prenatal vitamin recommendations, and how to actually start trying to conceive. Please keep in mind that billing is a major factor. While annual visits are completely covered, any visits that specifically pertain to fertility would likely be medically coded differently and involve a copay or out-of-pocket costs. And speaking of prenatal vitamins, they are not all created equally, and believe it or not, some prenatal vitamins include carcinogenic ingredients, fillers that actually do more harm than good, and insufficient amounts of folate. We recommend prenatal vitamins with 400 micrograms of folate, also known as methylfolate, before conception. Steer clear of prenatal vitamins that include the synthetic version of folate, folic acid, in the ingredients. While similar, they are not the same. How long before you, should you begin taking a prenatal vitamin? At least one month prior to pregnancy to give your body sufficient time to build up its levels of key nutrients. Daily prenatal vitamins with easily absorb, absorbable methylfolate help support fetal neural tube brain and spine development and fill some of the nutritional gaps in what you may not be getting from food depending on your dietary lifestyle. In addition to methylfolate, there are 11 other key micronutrients that are essential for addressing additional pregnancy needs. Choline is vital for fetal neural tube development. Omega-3s also help with fetal brain and retina development. Iron is the necessary building block of hemoglobin, a blood protein that transports oxygen and needs citrus to be adequately met metabolized. Vitamin A, or beta-carotene, supports good vision, healthy skin, and a functioning immune system. Vitamin B6 boosts protein metabolism for you and baby. Vitamin B12 plays a role in central nervous system functioning. Vitamin C makes it easier for your body to absorb iron. Remember that citrus I mentioned before? Biotin aids in converting food into energy. Vitamin D3 increases the absorption of calcium from food. Iodine is important for the functioning of thyroid hormones and overall thyroid health. Zinc, which can be up to 50% deficient in vegetarians, is essential for healthy fetal growth. If the prenatal vitamin doesn't include all of these, keep looking and also don't buy 12 different bottles of these supplements. You'll just wind up with very expensive urine. Next up, next up are vaccines. When it comes to certain viruses, it's crucial to be up to date on vaccines before pregnancy. There are some vaccines you definitely can't get while pregnant, like varicella and MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella. The blood work at your preconception appointment will help you figure out which ones to do prior to trying to conceive. And since you asked, or I know you're going to, pregnant people were not included in the COVID-19 vaccine trials. So connect the dots yourself and make the decision that's best for you as you begin to grow your family. Now's the time to address any current or recurrent health conditions. Whatever's going on with your health, it's important to talk about it with your physician or your provider. The most important conditions to check before pregnancy are diabetes and high blood pressure. Both need to be monitored when you're pregnant and are associated with complications, specifically gestational diabetes and preeclampsia, both of which could lead to cesarean delivery and if not adequately, if not adequately controlled. 
In terms of medications, there are some medications your doctor will recommend switching out before trying to conceive. In coordination with your physician or provider, review what you're taking, including over-the-counter and supplemental medications, and replace them with safer alternatives for pregnancy if needed. Common meds that may need some adjustment in pregnancy, but not always, are those that treat anxiety, depressions, seizures, and acne. Now's all this, so the time to consider genetic testing. What kind specifically? Carrier screening, which looks at DNA of the people providing the egg and sperm for recessive conditions. Recessive conditions only affect children if both people pass on the same genetic risk factor. Your doctor might recommend carrier screening based on your known family and medical history. If you and the person providing sperm are both carriers, your doctor will walk you through options to reduce genetic risks. If you're planning on conceiving with a partner who has sperm, see if their insurance plan covers carrier screening. In some cases, there's only coverage if you are a carrier. There are also tests you can pay for out of pocket, but they vary in quality. If you and your partner are both carriers, IVF and genetic testing of the embryo reduces the chances of passing on a genetic disease. If you conceive without intervention, Genetic testing early in pregnancy gives you and your partner time to make the right decision for the both of you, for your family. The bottom line is this. If you can, genetic carrier screening six to 12 months before you start trying to conceive is a sound option and doing so closer to when you start trying to conceive ensures you're benefiting from the most up-to-date genetic science and technology. Doing carrier screening before you've conceived also gives you more options than waiting until you're already pregnant, it gives you more time to prepare and to possibly take proactive steps that you can do to reduce the risk of having a child with a genetic disease. Let's get real about fertility treatments, insurance, and open enrollment. If your current health plan doesn't cover enough, consider other options before getting pregnant. While coverage for pregnancy, maternity, and newborn care is mandated for all private health insurance plans, that doesn't mean all companies fully comply, and there could always be more appointments than expected. Things to consider when investigating plans, co-pays for services, deductibles to meet, and the percentage of costs that are covered. Pregnancy in people over 35 might have more prenatal doctor appointments as they're automatically considered high risk, regardless of the individual's health history. Close monitoring makes sure you and your pregnancy are healthy. Know if your insurance plan comes with HSA and or FSA funds and how and when you can utilize them. You're probably thinking, it's way too early for this, and do you understand your company's parental leave policy? Before pregnancy, it's a good idea to crack open the employee handbook to see what the policy says. While the 1993 Family and Medical Leave Act, or FMLA, set a nationwide policy to allow new parents to take time off to spend with their newborns, it does not require paid time off. That's up to individual companies and states. See what your company offers, if anything, in terms of paid parental leave, and be sure to also check in with your state's laws. In some cases, you might be able to work with your employer to actually build a new policy. If you're planning to conceive with a partner with sperm, talk to your employer about parental leave, paternal leave, Studies show taking paternity leave increases family engagement and bonding, improves children's outcomes, and might even increase pay and employment for the birthing person. Speaking of paternal leave, 
Let's talk about semen analysis and associated testing. Conception isn't just about the egg. Sperm plays a role too. In fact, 40% of infertility cases are caused by issues with sperm. If you're interested in checking in on your partner's fertility before trying to get pregnant, consider semen analysis, also known as sperm testing. What can you learn from semen analysis? Typically, sperm volume, count, concentration, motility, and morphology, all of which help sperm make their way to the egg. And revisiting the cost of getting pregnant, it's also this time where getting super specific about costs can help you be fully prepared once you're trying to conceive. You might already be thinking about expenses of delivery, eight to $19,000 with insurance, and about $1,000 to $2,500 out of pocket. And beyond, each year of raising children costs about $13,000. But it's also important to consider getting pregnant. Depending on your age, it might be more challenging to conceive without fertility treatment. Talking through what treatments and costs you'd be comfortable with can help you feel prepared if any of those come up down the line. As you're gearing up for trying to conceive, touch bases with your daily habits. Stay on top of your movement and nutrition if you aren't already. Top tips to keep in mind, getting 30 minutes of moderate intensity exercise like walking and yoga five times a week and eating balanced meals. There's no such thing as hacking your fertility with food, especially not with overly restrictive extreme diets. That said, in terms of overall health, balanced eating, think mostly Mediterranean style. That's what's recommended. Lastly, and most importantly, become a professional at tracking your ovulation. Getting to know your ovulation patterns before you start trying to have children has lots of benefits. It's all about luteinizing hormone or LH, which surges 24 to 48 hours before ovulation. Tracking LH with ovulation tests helps you predict your fertile window in time sex or insemination around it. Importantly, tracking ovulation is also an easy way to check in with your body after birth control. Since it can take a few months for normal cycles to resume, tracking gives you a heads up on the return of ovulation. Next week, we'll begin talking about when you're trying to conceive and how you can prove your chances. And now for wine time. Last week, we talked about white wine, my personal least favorite wine, and this week we're moving on to rosé wines. Warm weather drinking is just on the horizon, which calls for rosé. With characteristics of both red and white wines, rosé is an incredibly versatile wine that shouldn't be reserved exclusively, exclusively for the summer months. Some people drink rosé all year, I'm not one of them, as it's refreshing choice as it's a refreshing choice that pairs well with seasonal foods like spring vegetables, lighter meat proteins, or fish, and while celebrating the sun with notes of red berries, flowers, and citrus. Because rosés are made in a variety of regions and from a variety of grapes, there are options for every weather. A lighter colored rosé with 12.5% alcohol by volume, or ABV, or higher is more likely to be dry and refreshing, whereas dark ro darker rosés made from Syrah blends tend to have more weight and are better suited for those chilly spring days. When in doubt, you can't go wrong with a light-colored, near-white French rosé. So enjoy. Till the next time, salud! And remember to nourish your flourish. Thanks for joining Women's Health Wisdom and Wine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, remember to follow us, review us, and give us five stars. 
until we meet again, remember, nourish your flourish.